I'm Alex Marlowe, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast, a content bonanza today with a trove of leaked tapes revealing Disney middle managers openly planning to sexualize young children and indoctrinate them into the LGBTQIA plus ampersand apostrophe pregnant man emoji cult. It's sick stuff, but will anyone fight back? Actually, Governor Ron DeSantis is, and we give you all the details. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences is meeting today to decide if there will be consequences for Will Smith. Apparently, it will actually take them longer to investigate the slap heard around the world than it will to approve a Supreme Court justice, though, so we're not getting answers anytime soon, it seems. The only thing that could save Hollywood at this point is if they announce it was all a hoax and a marketing gimmick to promote the new G.I. Jane 2 starring Jada Pinkett Smith, but I'm not sure they can pull it off at this point. Then we get into the latest scary details on Bidenflation. Russia might be changing course in the war against Ukraine, or maybe not, and coronavirus lockdowns on a massive scale in China, plus so much more. A quick plug for today's live show, we broke all the details of a major terror attack in Israel and got into the background of Pennsylvania Senate candidate Dr. Oz, as well as we got John Nolte's take on Will Smith and the Oscar fiasco, but you'll get all that on the SiriusXM app. So if you want more Breitbart News Daily, you can tune in live 6 a.m. every weekday Eastern Time, or go to SiriusXM.com. Our guest today is Monica Crowley, former Assistant Treasury Secretary under President Trump. We get into her thoughts on the news of the day, but especially the Bidenflation. She breaks down the key details and gives some ideas of what we can all do to fight back, plus our caller of the day. But first, a word from our sponsors. number of interesting stories and a variety of stories which I'm excited by and that we can talk about a variety of things um, today. And we'll start with a pretty horrifying footage coming out of a Disney all hands meeting uh, that took place. Christopher Rufo, who is a journalist, I think he's mostly with uh, the City Journal, the Manhattan Institute, which actually has a lot of good uh, content that comes out of it. Um, probably a little more on the globalist side of the Republican Party than uh, I am, um, but uh, definitely he's done great work tracking the wokeness within uh, corporations. And he got footage of this Disney meeting where a, a Florida, uh, where they were discussing the Florida uh, parental rights bill, the no grooming bill, which has been framed by the establishment media, is the don't say gay bill. And in the footage, an executive producer named Latoya Ravineau apparently says that her team has implemented a, quote, not at all secret gay agenda, close quote, and is regularly adding queerness, close quote, to children's programming. Um, and it's not just that. Disney corporate president Kate, uh, I'm sorry, Carrie Burke says, quote, as a mother of one transgender child and one pansexual child, close quote, she supports having, quote, many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories, close quote, and wants a minimum of 50% of characters to be LGBTQIA and racial minorities. And it's not just that. There's other footage as well. And we go through in the lead story that you can read at Breitbart.com that Paul Bois has written up other examples of Disney pushing this type of stuff. But just know that this is why the CEO of Disney, Bob Chepek, who is a uh, a rich white boomer male is now all of a sudden overnight a Mr. Transgender guy. It, it is not because he believes in any of this stuff. It's because he has made a calculation, as have many of the people that run America's major corporations, that the way to succeed is to make sure that there isn't too much unrest in the ranks of the company. And the ranks of the company are staffed by people like this, um, by people who are have as their company goals to indoctrinate the youngest people on the planet into the trans cult that we're in right now. So they're trying to create content that will no doubt create more transgender young people or confused people into thinking they're transgender, which inevitably will lead to body mutilating surgeries and endless amounts of regret. It will undermine the, um, uh, the, the nuclear family, et cetera, and science. I, I do believe that we're going to see with some of these examples that are so over the top, we might even see a pretty big uh, a blowback, or at least a blowback to some degree, in my opinion, from people within Disney. But how vocal will they be? Will it all be anonymous? 
or will people finally come out and say that um, the it is not a good thing to inject these values in particular of all values into children's programming? Uh, something that is truly, truly something to behold that this is all over a bill that would just say you can't engage in this behavior until after the third grade. You can't try to push the trans QIA ampersand pregnant man emoji agenda. Oh, yeah, I forgot the number two until the kids hit the fourth grade. That's all it says. And then once the fourth grade game on, that's how simple the bill is. And this is uh, the reaction was so intense that Disney all of a sudden started to act like they needed to, you know, have learning sessions and listening sessions and teaching one another about just how uh, woke woke can be. And then this is the result is that now we've got these leaked conversations and these things are not, these are not meant to be secret. Disney production coordinator, Alan March says his team is committed to exploring queer stories and has created a tracker to make sure that they're creating enough quote, gender non-conforming characters, close quote, quote, canonical trans characters, close quote, and canonical bi bisexual characters, close quote. What's canonical bisexual characters? Man, I guess I didn't do my homework this morning. I, I came to the show unprepared. I don't know what a canon canonical bi uh, bisexual character is. Ron DeSantis is, needless to say, having a field day with this, giving speeches, uh, doing media appearances, etc., and noting that Disney only opposes this because the woke mob came after them. That's correct. That's just a more stark way of saying what I just said, that this is what this is about. It's about the woke mob, and this is not about that Disney all of a sudden uh, has these values. Just the mob is so intense. They, they win wars of attrition. Trust me, if you have not seen enough evidence, this is what they try to do. They try to bully you into conforming to their ridiculous anti-science viewpoints. But what do you do with Disney? Because Disney is a very tough one because Disney is um, a, a it is it's not a monopoly, but it's got a monopoly or uh, or uh, oligopoly like um, things going for it. Because Disney owns the catalog of Star, of, of Star Wars. Disney owns the catalog of Marvel. Disney owns the catalog of Pixar. Most of these brands are mostly family friendly, even though the Marvel stuff, you know, so much pandering to China makes you sick. But it is, you know, overall, I don't think there's, you know, a lot of like horrible values in the Marvel stuff, um, which I think partially explains some of its success. Uh, I, I frankly find them a, 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 a little bit. I think the themes of, uh, are not particularly interesting to me. They have no adult themes, you know, no violence, really. I mean, I guess the violence is sort of like, you know, cartoon violence. Don't have gay characters, don't have nudity. It, 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 it's, it's all sort of, you know, um, a whitewash for China. But, you know, it, it's fine. And the list goes on. Plus all those classic Disney movies, which were so good, dating back towards the first half of last century, even into the end of last century where, you know, you had that run of movies like Beauty and the Beast and Lion King and um, Aladdin and Little Mermaid. And these are amazing, amazing uh, pieces of art. Disney owns all that stuff. So if you boycott Disney, you don't get access to any of that. It's all gone. So that means you deprive your families of all that because there's all these woke people ruining this brand. And Bob Chepik and all these people are letting them do it. And we're all letting them do it because we let this go on too long. And if you all had listened to what we do at Breitbart, not to be too self-flattering, but I am being self-flattering. If you listen to what we talk about on Patriot, then you wouldn't have had this problem. Like we wouldn't have gotten this far this, with this insanity. This stuff is way over the top. Can we agree that having a not at all secret gay agenda and adding queerness to children's programming at Disney is a problem? Disney does cruises, by the way, According to Ron DeSantis, I didn't verify it, but I imagine he's a smart guy and uh, wouldn't wouldn't come wouldn't come up with this, <laughs> you know, without checking it. But he said that uh, he Disney does cruises where homosexuality is illegal. I do you guys doubt that that's the case? So they go to the nation of Dominica, where which criminalizes homosexuality. I get with that, just so long as they can make an extra buck. DeSantis also ripped the hypocrisy of this bill because they said, he says that um, Disney would have endorsed a ban on teaching China's weaker genocide. And that's totally true. If there was a Disney movie, if someone at Disney, if someone who is a legendary person, like maybe one of those people who churn out all the great Pixar movies and pitch something that had a theme in it 
a rebellious theme where people who were similar to the Uyghurs rose up against their Chinese oppressors. Even if it wasn't direct, even if it was indirect, if it was analogous, some sort of analogy. You think Disney would figure it out and stop it? Of course they would. So uh, pretty broken. And it, it is really a cross of our education system as well. It's not just our corporate system. A school board member of the Metropolitan Nashville Board of Publication was caught in a hot mic last week saying that they want to set Marsha Blackburn on fire. Pretty good. Town Hall got uh, audio of that leaked. So it's a, remember, silence is violence if you're talking about whatever woke uh, cause of the day it is. But violence is protected speech when it comes to attacking people like Senator Marsha Blackburn. Um, Speaking of violence coming out of Hollywood, I was so excited because the Academy is going to meet on Will Smith and what they're going to do about him after it's become pretty clear that it wasn't staged. The slap of Chris Rock uh, and people have kind of gotten the picture that the um, that it is not okay to slap people over a bad joke. It's a bad precedent. and It just means we're all just going to be slapping people, not just Chris Rock. We'll be slapping people over bad jokes. We'll be slapping people over bad opinions. We'll be slapping people over science they disagree with that's uncomfortable to them. We're just going to be walking around slapping the whole the whole planet. So I think people kind of realize the slippery slope can't go down. Um, but the bad takes did keep flying for a little while longer. Someone named Teo Barrow, who writes at the UK Guardian, had maybe the headline of the week. White outrage about Will Smith's slap is rooted in anti-blackness. It's inequality in plain sight pretty good, right? So this is actually, it's anti-blackness that a lot of whites and blacks um, didn't like that uh, Chris Rock got slapped for a joke. Last I checked, Chris Rock was a black gentleman. Am I wrong about that? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had a pretty epic tweet where, or an epic comment. He is a far left guy, a legendary basketball player, who actually said that Will Smith confirmed anti-black stereotypes. So he basically said Will Smith set, set back the entire black community. That's pretty harsh. I don't know about that. I think Will Smith set back Will Smith. But uh, is is Kareem, is he exposing his anti-blackness by saying that Will Smith set back the entire black community? I ran that by Jerome Hudson yesterday, and I did say to him that, uh, hey, Kareem says Will Smith set you back in your life, just to let you know. So the Academy was going to meet today to see what they were going to do to see if they're going to, I guess, suspend uh, Will Smith, maybe take his Oscar. Um, it's very hard to get thrown off of thrown out of the Academy, but it's happened before. Bill Cosby for, you know, accusations of serial rape. Roland Polanski for pretty much seems clear cut child rape. Harvey Weinstein, uh, you know, same deal. So we're, we're usually that's what it takes. But that said, we did look up who's been kicked out of the academy, and we came across a guy, an actor named Carmine Caridi. And Carmine Caridi was kicked out of the academy for, get this, pirating VHS screeners. So the academy sends out these screeners, uh, meaning movies that are free, so they make sure people watch the movies so they can vote. And you're supposed to watch all the stuff before you vote. I don't think they have a way of enforcing it but they want you to actually watch the movies before you vote on them if you're in the Academy. And uh, this guy would get the screeners and he'd bootleg them and then he'd sell them. So, or maybe not even sell them, maybe hand them out. This is a thing that does happen in LA. Like every once in a while, you'll meet someone who's in the Academy and they'll have a DVD or something of a movie and they'll they'll just give it to you, which you're not supposed to do. But friends will do that. And that does, it, it it is a little bit like the, you know, Napster, um, where you would just download the music because it was there. That was very controversial a couple decades ago. So apparently he was copying VHS tapes and handing them out or selling them. And, and that was it. So uh, how does that compare to walking up on stage in the middle of the Oscars and hitting a, a presenter for a bad joke? I would submit that hitting someone on stage in the middle of the awards is worse. So it's going to be, I think, a tough sell that Will Smith stays in the Academy, which is pretty amazing. To have Will Smith on the night that he gets a coronated best actor of all time. It's also interesting because the, the, there's a, a connection between these first two stories is that 
Will Smith definitely has at least one gender fluid kid. And he's got this strange open marriage where his wife cheats on him and then talks about it publicly and actually kind of shames him for being inferior in the boudoir than some of the people that she's also been with in her life, which is just, it's all, again, this is a war on the traditional family. It just is. It's a, I'm not saying that maybe there's everyone in Will Smith's family is not from some sort of, I, I, I haven't psychologically examined them, nor could I, nor am I qualified to, but it does seem like there's something wrong with that family. It does. So, and um, that's why I think a lot of people are coming out and saying, this is not a shock to me that something like this happened. So it continues to dominate all of the social web in terms of what people are reading and sharing. So what will the Board of Governors do? They say it's unfortunately it's going to take weeks to do this investigation. What's going to take weeks? He walked up, he slapped the guy. Will Smith advocated violence and diminished women, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar says. Um, Jim Carrey, who's a close friend of Chris Rock, has condemned Will Smith. Yeah, that's a uh, we have a headline at Breitbart and our entertainment page. Silence is violence. Politically active Hollywood elites go quiet on Will Smith attack. So interesting. We'll keep an eye on them all. One other Hollywood story I've not covered as much, but I will cover it a little bit more is how Dr. Oz, Oprah's celebrity doctor, who also pops up on Fox News fairly often, is running for Senate Pennsylvania. It's been a very bizarre campaign so far. A lot of his past positions are just simply not in line at all with uh, even basic Republican philosophy. He's maintaining Turkish citizenship. And now it's come out that he co-authored a book which touted a lot of medicine that's not really backed by traditional Western doctors with a CCP-backed ac- academic. There's also a lot of complaints that his staff was blindsided by a sudden announcement to run for Senate in Pennsylvania in particular. He's not really based in Pennsylvania most of the time. I haven't brought it up on the show mostly because it just it, it, it's sort of bizarre to focus on it, but it is as we get closer to primary day. I'll talk about it a little bit more, but he co-authored a book with Ying Yang Yu. Uh, uh, no, the book is called Yin Yang Yu with Anne Long Shu, the president of Beijing University of Chinese Medicine, which is backed by the CCP. Very odd. So maintaining Turkish citizenship, writing books with uh, CCP-backed journalists. Wookie doke. Washington Free Beacon came up with this one, so they deserve some credit there. Stateside, the Biden inflation, a Fed, a Fed study, blames the huge spending bills for high inflation. Can you imagine that? Massive spending that we on um, that we don't have is driving inflation. You know, it, I think it drives inflation two ways. I think it drives inflation literally, uh, because obviously when there's more money out there and there's a promise of more money coming and there's the commitment that we're going to print more money, I think that of course drives up inflation because we're flooded. But the also the other thing about the inflation, it sends a signal to the rest of us that you're free to do the same thing, to put everything on your credit cards. And just live that way. And that really is the way things have been. And we're now just in this borrower economy where it is, I I was kind of brought up loosely thinking, you know, you kind of keep your debts to a minimum. That's the way to go. And it's just become pretty clear, even though, you know, obviously debt is, it slows you down because interest compounds and the more money you have in the bank and the more money you have invested, you know, compounds over time. So it, it, it is highly advantageous, but it does pretty seem, it seems pretty much like the culture is just game on now. Spend everything, get your hands on, borrow as much as you can. And that's the way it goes. And that, that's the message sent from our federal government. And think, a Fed study blaming huge inflation on all these high spending bills. And in the meantime, Biden is pushing a new insane budget, which of course won't pass, as I've noted. But he is pushing a budget that imports uh, Afghans to the U.S. for a decade, even though we have a horrible record of vetting. Uh, you know, we have 1.1 million illegal aliens in the country since Biden took office. It's a big number. He hasn't been in office very long, just over a year. 1.1 million new illegal aliens. The budget mentions climate change 31 more times than border security and inflation. Does surprise any of you? that climate change will get tens of billions, if not more, of new government spending, whatever that means. However, the U.S. government's going to control the climate. Always been an absurd uh, premise. It, again, it's not going to pass, but it sends you a signal what the priorities are. The priorities are not slowing down the spending. The, prior, the priorities are speeding up the spending. U.S. job openings and quitting are at a near record high. 
uh, which actually adds to a risk of inflation and even a higher level. So there's basically 1.8 job openings for every un one unemployed person, which is fascinating because when you have that level of jobs that are available, what ends up happening is that workers come in to their bosses and say, I need a raise or I'm out because there's literally like twice as many jobs as there are people like me who could be exploring. And so either they are going to get paid more by the employer, which adds to inflation because of course the employer then has to pass the costs on to the consumer and the cycle continues. Or they quit and then a new job pays them more to do, to do the same or similar work. So even though of course if you stay in a job you have some sort of a average uh, increase in salary year to year, a few percent, but this will wildly accelerate it. But again, where those costs go, they get passed on the consumers who then go back to their bosses and ask for, for raises themselves to keep up. And that's inflation in a nutshell. And, and nothing moves it faster than, or, or, you know, this is one of the fastest ways to move it is when people feel very confident that they're able to quit and get more money. Again, I'm all for the workers, and by all means, if you feel like you're you're in a you're in a spot now to go to your boss and get a raise, go for it. By all means, do it on a personal level. But just know that it is adding to inflation in a major way. And I thought that was a fascinating piece of data to bring to everyone's attention. I'll throw in one fun domestic one before I go overseas for a little bit. Elon Musk uh, didn't make it on his own, according to Elizabeth Warren. He got huge investments from the government and from taxpayers. It is very fun when people who I really dislike uh, call one right. I'd like to bring that to your attention. Elizabeth Warren is 100% correct on this. Elon Musk did not make it on his own, and he did get huge investments from the government and taxpayers. And not just the U.S. taxpayers, the Chinese government. So confiscating money from not just the American people, but the Chinese people. That's how they do it. Remember, his, the way he got so big is not because he sold the most cars or sold the most rocket ships. He did it because he got favorable government contracts and he has a cult stock. That's how you do it. Yes, he would have been very rich just by selling Teslas, but he doesn't make that many Teslas. He got very rich because he got favorable deals from the U.S. government and from Chinese government to produce those cars and to produce rocket ships. That's why. So that is the new way to get rich. And don't think that Google is doing the same thing. Google is a product that we all uh, have a hard time getting off of. But, uh, you know, they also have huge government contracts. Same thing with Amazon. I wrote about this fair bit in Breaking the News, which I still think is pretty relevant, maybe more relevant in some ways. Um, but I, I did think that was a good call that uh, Elizabeth Warren pointed that out. So there you go. There's a compliment for Elizabeth Warren. Who wasn't expect who, who was who came into the show expecting that? I just find it annoying. He's also got this trick where he gets this. You get this big incentive to buy an electric car, which means that his car if you're getting a comparable BMW without a the incentive that our government gives to buy a Tesla, then you're essentially getting a slightly better car for the money if you get a Tesla, or you're getting a slightly cheaper car that's the equivalent quality. That's a huge driver of markets in a, in a market that's so saturated like the auto market where everyone has a car or two. So I just think it's important to point that out. Not a hero. Let's see, I want to mention... I haven't done a lot of Ukraine. I've done any done any Ukraine, um, but there were a couple interesting items I should bring up at the top or at the outset of the show. You can opine on if you care to. Russia says that the first stage is completed in Ukraine, and this appeared to be a suggestion that they're trying to figure out a way to pull back. Russian Defense Minister Sergei Sh Shoigu. How do you pronounce that? That can't be right. I just reads, so then I don't hear the pronunciation. Maybe I need to watch some more cable news and maybe I'd get these pronunciations right. Anyway, the main goals of the first stage of the attack in Ukraine um, has been completed, according to Russia. And now they're going to be focusing on the Donbass again. He said the first stage has been accomplished. He told the Russian news agency TASS. And the first stage, I guess, was the... Um, I, I guess was the heavy bombing of Kiev and other places. So I think we're pronouncing it Kiev now, not Kiev. I think that's the way we're doing it now. But it's not really true. At the time of the launch, Putin said the goal was to denazify the Ukraine and specifically from taking out Vladimir Zelensky. So that uh, Zelensky is a neo-Nazi and needed to be taken out. That was the first goal. So now they're saying they completed the first goal, which of course they didn't do, which is, I think, a sign of weakness. But they did drop a lot more bombs um, 
yesterday. So it's hard to get too excited yet, but obviously they're looking to change course and change tactics. So now he's saying the liberation of Donbass, which was kind of what we all thought was the main goal, is now the focus, but that isn't what was stated. Their stated main goal was to take out Zelensky and to denazify the country, which has not happened. But I think it is a signal they're probably going to scale back some of the bombings in the western parts of the country, which they've been doing. So we'll keep you posted, as always, at Breitbart.com, but I do think that's a pretty big sign that Russia is not satisfied with how things are going and are looking to figure out a way to uh, somehow change course, which is probably good. So Francis Martel writes that these claims of success starkly contradict continuous reports since the latest invasion began in February that Russian troops have dramatically underperformed against the much smaller Ukrainian military. As recently as last week, the Pentagon claimed that low morale had caused substantial problems for Russian forces in the country and prevented any significant territorial conquest. Yep, everything I'm hearing. Other news, China has claimed that Biden is pushing the Ukraine crisis to nuclear war, and they're not wrong. Of course, Biden's rhetoric does bring us closer to that. It's without a doubt, when you're saying Putin is a butcher and we need regime change, the guy has nuclear weapons and he feels threatened, he might be inclined to use them. So, not a good thing. Germany's addiction to Russian gas sees energy prices double in February. Peter Cattle writes for us at Breitbart News. And just a reminder, Russian fu- Russia funds the green movement in the U.S. as well because they know that when we shut down our own drilling that they uh, are able to have more of a market share on the world stage. So Germany, which should have the ability to get energy from other places, has gotten completely dependent on Russia, and now that Russia's largely cut off in a lot of ways, um, that they are now their gas prices and energy prices have soared through the roof. This is why we can't be dependent on bad nations. We have to be uh, fully self-serving in the United States, and we choose not to be because we pander to these greens. The green movement. We're a little bit on coronavirus watch here, Breitbart as well, Um, China's put Shanghai under the most stringent antivirus measures ever. So Shanghai has something like 26 million people, which is unfathomable. I think that's like more than three times the size of New York. And um, it's uh, uh, under a huge lockdown. And the suggestion is that coronavirus is back and raging. But I will say something else. That I think it's also a signal that they want the West to slow their role and to lock back down, particularly the United States. I think they want us to think that, ooh, Coronavirus coming back, we better lock down again and slow down our economy. And I'll tell you, there's one person in the West who keeps talking about whether or not restrictions need to come back. And you know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about Dr. Tony Fauci, Dr. Doom himself, putting it out there that maybe restrictions need to return. So is there a chance that he's seeing the same stuff we're seeing and thinking, oh, wow, look, it must be really bad in China. And they're giving us really credible information. They have the whole pandemic. Maybe it's time to bring back the masks. Maybe it's time to bring back the mandates. Maybe it's time to shut everything down. Aside from, you know, empty baseball stadiums where he can go by himself. Just food for thought for you. Monica Crowley's had a really interesting career. I think she got started working for Richard Nixon, which is stunning because she's not very old. And then she became the assistant treasury secretary under President Trump and has had a lot of other cool jobs in the conservative media space and someone who I always enjoy talking to. And you'll see why when we roll the interview. Monica, so you've got a new podcast out, the Monica Crowley podcast debuted this week. And it's it's a more of a culturally episode for your first episode, so not just economic stuff. Oh, congrats on the new podcast. Uh, tell me about it and what people can expect. Well, thank you so much for having me, Alex. It's always great to be with you here. And thank you for giving me a chance to talk about my new podcast. Yeah, it's called the Monica Crowley Podcast, which is not a particularly creative name, but it is direct. Did you poll test that? And, uh, Did you do the market research to, to come up with that name? Because it's really good. I mean, it's like right on the uh, money. Well, thank you. 
Thank you. Yes, it, it is right on the nose. But I decided rather than try to get super creative with the name, Alex, I decided search engine optimization. <laughs> so yeah, I want everybody to, way to go, go to what, yeah, to go to whatever platform that they use for podcasts and subscribe, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you go to get your podcast, just type in the Monica Crowley podcast. It'll come up, subscribe. I'm doing it three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So we will have a new show dropping today. And it's, it really has a current events feel to it. So I'm talking about all of the issues that matter and, and, and with a real America first approach, obviously. You know, I've been approached over many years, Alex, to do a podcast. And I never did it because I never thought the time was right. But now mm-hmm. I thought the time is not only right but necessary because we are facing existential threats not just from within, but from without as well. And now it's time to have serious conversation as well as some, some fun about how we save this country and, frankly, freedom across the West. So give me a few of the existential threats and particularly ones that you think people are kind of missing or just not focused on enough. Yeah. Well, I think the overall point that I think every American needs to understand is that when you are talking about the Democratic Party, you're no longer talking about the Democratic Party of, of uh, JFK or even Bill Clinton. This is now a multi-pronged communist movement in the country that has taken over wholesale the Democratic Party, and they're using that as their political vehicle to achieve power. But it's so much bigger than that. The assault, yes, is led by the Democratic Party, but it involves big tech, big corporate media, big corporations, big science, big pharma. All of them are working together, hand in glove, to undermine the very foundational principles of the country. That involves individual liberty and economic freedom primarily. And they're weaponizing all of it. They're working all together. So it's not just it's almost like a game of whack-a-mole where you think, okay, well, we'll defeat the Democrats in Congress in November. So we'll have a handle on it. Not really. I mean, it's a necessary step, but not really because you have all of these tentacles working together like termites undermining our system from within. And so you've got that going on within the country. And then on top of that, You have the much bigger assault, which is coming from these transnational movements led by the World Economic Forum that comes out of Davos, led by Klaus Schwab and the Schwabies. You've got that coming at us as well. And they are literally weaponizing everything. They weaponized the pandemic. They weaponized the vaccine. They weaponized uh, the economy. They're weaponizing the Russia-Ukraine war. Everything you are being told is simply superficial as a way to to mask what they are actually doing. It is about fundamentally transforming America in order to fundamentally transform the world, because the United States is the biggest obstacle to their grand project. So this is what I mean about we are hanging by a thread. And this is why I wanted to start my podcast now, because there's not a moment to waste There's no time for happy talk, Alex. We've got to get out there, man the ramparts, and fight back in every way we know how. So one of the things that's a theme on the broadcast is a lot of people do get frustrated on uh, with the fact that there is so little that can be done. There's so much defense uh, that's being played right now because we do see there's so much going on with Joe Biden talking about how we need to um, uh, you know, have regime change in Russia, and then he walks it back, and then he walks back, then he walks it back. Uh, you see what's happening with Disney now openly trying to uh, poison our kids with uh, the the LGBTQIA plus agenda. They're openly talking about it for the youngest kids, and this is something that's very uh, uh, somehow is uh, embraced by a, a lot of people across the country. Um, you still see people the, with the rampant censorship, et cetera. There's so little that can be done with us out of power. So what do you see for the Republican Party and for the conservative movement for the next few years uh, until we can vote again in 2024? Yeah, well, uh, it is important to support conservatives, populists, Republicans running for office 
And I know we sift through and we want America first candidates first and foremost, uh, but we are in a, in a multi-pronged war here. So while we focus on that politically, and that is extremely important to replace these psychopaths who are currently in office uh, with people who actually do believe in America and everything we stand for, that's critical. But I, I think we put too much stock in politicians and, and so-called political leaders. I think what you are now seeing is a groundswell of normal, regular Americans who love this country, who are standing up at the local level. And I cannot overstate this enough, Alex. This is so critically important that we have a citizen's revolt, peaceful, but a citizen's revolt. We've already seen it starting. We've seen parents who I think are going to destroy the Democratic Party. Uh, come November and into 24, because what the pandemic showed is that all of a sudden they were paying attention to what their kids are being taught, not just critical race theory, but pornographic materials and transgender and talking to kids about sex. That's what this whole controversy in Florida is all about with Governor DeSantis trying to protect our children, right? It's it's very simple what it's about, in my viewpoint, which is that the left never admits they're wrong. So they have two choices when they get caught which they have gotten caught since the pandemic with all the CRT stuff and the trans stuff. And then now with a very public a man that was setting records in, uh, in you know, in, uh, in women's uh, in women's swimming in colleges, all this stuff. There's only two choices. There's double down and then to admit fault. They never admit fault. So we know we're going to get more of this and it's going to be on we the people to fight back against it. It's not going to be become obvious to everyone unless people are very vocal about it. So what, what do you recommend for people who are frustrated aside from, you know, tuning into our respective programs? Like, well, what, what more can be done right now for the activist minded person? Yeah. So it is up to us. This is a citizen's revolt. It's starting. It's scaring the heck out of the left because they realize, you know, their their power is very wide, but it's also like an inch deep. So they do control the big levers of power, but there are more of us than of them and they know it. So they're starting to see normal Americans go for school boards and winning in deep blue state cities and states like New York City, Seattle, San Francisco, you're starting to get conservatives elected to these places. I cannot overstate enough, Alex, how to get involved locally, because the left has been doing this now for decades, mostly funded by George Soros, going after mayor's offices and district attorney's offices, school boards, places of worship. They have been targeting at the local level for a long time. And now the fruits of all of their labor are in our face every day. That's why, you know, we all focus on the national or the international, and all of that is important. But for the average American who is listening today, who cares about their community and their country, get involved locally. I know a couple of people in Florida who are running for school board and in California, and they're really putting their heart into it. They don't know what they're doing necessarily because they're not sophisticated political operatives, but that's exactly why we need them. And that's exactly probably why they're going to win. This is what it's going to take to leverage the country back, starting at the grassroots, organic, local level. Uh, I would be be I would be remiss if I did not mention some uh, economic issues. As Monica Crowley was the assistant secretary of the U.S. Treasury under President President Trump, and she does have a new podcast, Monica Crowley Podcast. You should all hit the subscribe button and check it out three times a week. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about first of all oil and fuel, and the prices are astronomical and hitting people pretty hard in the pocketbook. Um, Sri Lanka has run out of fuel. Uh, Saudi Arabia says that they can't guarantee oil supply due to Houthi attack. Uh, we've already got Russia. Their production is uh, is grinded down to a halt, which largely for good reason, but still does affect uh, all of us to a certain degree. America still has no uh, inclination to drill and get more of our own oil because we have green freaks running our country. Um, so is the pain of the pump? Do you see that going up from here? Probably. Yeah, I do. I think the prices are only going one way, and that's up, unfortunately, for the American consumer. Um, look, the very first thing Joe Biden did was kill the Keystone XL pipeline. When we talk about you know common sense solutions to this, we had it under President Trump. 
President Trump got us to energy independence for the first time in American history. We became a net energy exporter uh, because we are sitting atop more energy uh, resources than any other country on the face of the earth. Not Russia, not Saudi Arabia, not Canada, not Mexico, the United States. And yet this administration refuses to tap into it and get the energy out of the ground and onto the the global market. So we, we know why they're doing this. Stop looking for logical reasons why. Well, I can't believe right. it makes no sense. Why are they? Do- they're doing it not just because of climate change and concern over the environment. That is true. They do have that. But there's something bigger going on here. This is the stuff I talk about on my podcast. The reason that they are trying to crush the U.S. energy sector is because energy is the biggest lever of them all to fundamentally transform the country and then the world because energy is so big. Yeah, they're crushing small businesses and yeah, they're crushing other sectors, but energy is the biggest of them all. And that's why they keep targeting it because once they leverage energy, then they can transform the U S economy and the global economy into this one world, more Marxist kind of model. That's why they're going after it. And that's why you're suffering at the pump by paying what 90, a hundred bucks every time you go to fill up your tank. Oh, that'd be a, that'd be uh, a lot better than I'm doing. I'm I'm o- over 130 uh, where I'm at. It's um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Monica, let me ask you about uh, the rest of the inflation. And uh, some of these numbers, some of these numbers are really truly frightening. We're seeing consumer confidence weaken as we see inflation and food prices hit maybe the highest level ever, if not the highest level in decades. I mean, when you go back far enough, it's it's hard to make an apples to apples comparison. Uh, and yet we see a budget floated from Joe Biden with, you know, the, the infinite amounts of spending and even on the green stuff, like not getting the energy out of the ground. Like we got to do more green um, uh, incentives for the, the, the new energy economy, which is largely the old energies of, you know, wind and solar. Uh, what's going on here? Is there any plan? Does Joe Biden have any plan on any of this? So remember last year with the Build Back Better proposal, which they were trying to hook to COVID, right? They were saying, well, we need Build Back Better because we're coming out of this pandemic and the economy needs more support and more help. Well, that was all nonsense. Of course, Build Back Better is basically communism rebranded. Well, that went down thanks to Joe Manchin, who voted against it. And he said, look, we're, we're in an inflationary environment. We can't be spending this much more money. It's insane. I'm going to torpedo it. And everybody cheered. Well, now they've rebranded Build Back Better, which is basically communism. They slapped a happy face on it. They called it the budget. And here it is again. Six, yeah, that's six right. trillion Six trillion dollars in additional spending. It's just rebranded Build Back Better. Now, the scary thing is Manchin has said, well, I I might take a look at most of this. What? (laughs) Six months ago, you were opposed to it because of inflation. Inflation has only gotten worse since then. It's only getting worse. So, you know, leave it to the left to say, well, the way to fix inflation is to spend six trillion more. If they get part of this or all of it through Alex, uh, the inflation you see today at the gas pump, the grocery store and so on is going to look like child's play compared to what's coming at us. A lot of people don't remember, but in the late 70s, early 80s, you had inflation running at 17 percent. It's running at about 8 percent now. And people think that's low ball. It's more probably like 10 or 12 percent. But if you get up into 15, 18 percent like we experienced 40 years ago, Americans are not equipped for this. Most Americans don't remember that they didn't live through it. It is an extremely painful thing now. And if they get their additional spending through, it's only going to get worse. Monica, I've got about a minute. Again, the Monica Crowley podcast, brand new this week. You should check it out. Uh, Give me your back of the napkin plan if we had a sane uh, president. I don't know, maybe someone like a Donald Trump or someone in Trump's image in there. Oh, what, what would be the steps taken right now? Well, first of all, if we had President Trump, we wouldn't be in this inflationary situation. And we certainly wouldn't have the war in Eastern Europe going on because Trump was so strong as a leader. All he needed to do was be. And our enemies knew not to not to cross us. So we wouldn't be there. But if we had a leader like that faced with these kinds of situations, I mean, first of all, the spending, the government spending would stop. 
energy would be out of the ground like yesterday on the world market, on the national market, and driving prices way down, um, and the government spending would stop to, to rein in all of the additional money that's out there. Um, interest rates, by the way, are going up, and that's a necessary move to try to normalize the money supply and what the Fed is doing, but they're way late. They're over a year late, so that's another painful aspect coming at us. Um, and, you know, the United States first of all, would be sitting aside astride the globe like we were under President Trump, where we had no new wars, so we wouldn't be facing this kind of international conflict. Uh, Look, President Trump gave us four years of peace and prosperity. I don't know what what more people want from an American president. That's what he is hired to do. Now we are faced with a presidency of epic, historic catastrophe. Thanks, Monica. Yeah, I appreciate it. And yeah, and uh, the, the audience knows I try not to pull punches for the sake of credibility, but it is very hard to criticize Trump's foreign policy. I just have gone through it over and over again. Very hard to see the mistakes he made. It seems like almost zero, if any. All right. Thanks. Thanks again, Monica. Congrats on the new podcast. We'll have you back on soon. I appreciate it. Thank you, Alex. a caller of the day today and it's steve in arizona who i think raises some really interesting points about the patriarchy maybe the smash the patriarchy narrative is finally going to go by the wayside with the latest will smith saga we explain why and get into it in what i think is a very compelling call the first thing the reason no one at the academy said anything is because liberals have no problem with black or black bodies they never have and they never will and so you won't hear the pundits, you won't hear liberals say anything about a black man going up and assaulting another black man. And the other thing that I want to touch on real quick, and I'll jump off, is straight conservative black males are being phased out of society by liberals. Wow. I know this because I've experienced it, and actually left my job of 11 years, my career, because of it. And what you see is liberals continue to push black women okay at the expense of black men really destroying the black family and if you're a christian this matriarchy that we see played out before the world between black uh, in the black community this destroy it goes against godly principles and so will smith's emotional behavior he didn't have a problem with it because he laughed at it and then he decided at the behest right. of jada who by the way has been sleeping with all kinds of rappers. He didn't attack them. But at her behest, because he's such a weak man, he went up and assaulted this man. And liberals have nothing to say. Just like when, when black men are killing black men in urban America, they have nothing to say because it does not matter to them. It doesn't fit in there. Too. So um, none of this is surprising as a straight, conservative, uh, American-loving, God-loving black man. You are watching black men be emasculated by the left in America, and this is just an example of it. Thanks for taking the um, call. Uh, Steven, Steven yeah. uh, explain to me, you mentioned something really compelling in there, and I agree with all your points particularly. It is pretty striking how this is the most black-on-black violence violence talk we've seen from the established media in my lifetime, times a thousand. It, it, it is noteworthy to point that out. Um, but Steven, yeah. you said something about the matriarchy in the yeah. black family, the really interesting, mm-hmm. you expand on that. Yeah, so in the black community, Everyone knows that the, the the black woman is the head of it, and 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 this you know and, and I'm a Christian, and the woman is not the head of the family. That's where the man should be. But when you look back at these policies that you had, you know you get get the man out of the home. We'll give you money, right? Welfare. Everything is pushed towards the black woman being the head of the family in the black community, and this is why the black community is so dysfunctional. And so you have black men. Behaving like, behaving like children, acting like children. Uh, you see it in the music, you see it in the culture, you see it in the entertainment. And as a black man, I've seen this, I've seen this growing up. And it is hard as a black man to wrestle yourself away from that and to come back to God. 
But this, this matriarchy is pushed in the black community by civil rights leaders, black preachers in the clergy, and white liberals who are in the black community who push LGBTQ, who push oh, women's independence and freedom. Yeah. And all this harm, you don't see this in any other community but black America. And, and, and you saw it at the office. But, but Stephen, I, I do feel like it's being offered up as a superior model. I do. I think that there yeah. is a lot of a lot of effort to um, make it so that the, the household is run by the woman, which I know works for some people. I've got some people that I feel like yeah. have a pretty happy household where the woman is, is clearly the alpha dog, but it's the, for the most part, I don't think that's really traditionally the, the what's worked. And it's, uh, if you say that, then now I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm a patriarchal guy, I guess. Yeah. And, and, and this is, and this is, you know, and now it's starting to spread and we see that, you know, we, we hear that the want, Women in charge of everything, you know, smash the patriarchy. Well, yeah. you know, I'm a Christian. Yeah. It doesn't work. This is not. The yeah, I don't. I don't think it works by and large. I, I think it can work overall. Yeah. And 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 Stephen, thanks for the call. Call me soon. Uh, this is a. The, it's. I think it can work. But you know, I think about my my home, which is again, this is anecdotal and says personal. But you know, Mrs. Doctor Marlowe is an incredibly strong individual. Um, she's got four kids under four years old. There were three kids, maybe four, but I think only three at this point, um, under four years old. And, you know, she's training to be a, a, a doctor in a very challenging field. And she's had her share of other things she's had to deal with in her life. And, but she likes that I run the house and she doesn't want to run the house. She wants me to run the house. And she's someone who would be fine independently. She'd be very, if she needed to be the one who runs the house and be the independent woman that Beyonce who says all women should strive for it. She could do that easily, but she, she doesn't prefer it. She would prefer that I run the house. So it's just an interesting thing that you can simultaneously be a very strong woman and also not want to smash the patriarchy. Maybe think sometimes the patriarchy has its benefits. And traditionally having a strong man, the type of man who doesn't sit by and watch your wife sleep with other men and then talk about it publicly, like maybe that's not a good thing for the man's psychology. And thus, not a good thing for the family. Just a thought. Just a, a, I'm just throwing it out there. I got American parts. I got American faith. Thanks a lot to producers Haley and Greg Eben. And of course, to all of you who have picked up Breaking the News, gone to Breitbart.com, shared our content, and most important, telling 10,000 friends and family members about the new podcast. It's the only way we can grow. And we thank all of you for your support. All right. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. And I want